listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Go to market is that that combination of product, marketing, sales, customer success, and and how that applies to your revenue model. Correct me if I'm wrong. Would love to hear that in the chat. And community to me is something that hit me really strongly as as a way that can accelerate all this stuff at one point in my life. And if we have time, I'll get to that story. But you know, put in the chat if you have if you have kind of like examples of how this affects stuff. I'm gonna go through a couple. Let me know if you have other ones, but in product, to me, the obvious thing is roadmap opportunities. If you have a community you can interact with in marketing, it's that magical social proof validation of, of everything that we're seeking that gets other people to buy in sales. It's obvious it's referrals, right? If you have a community and people sending you business and in customer success, it's that magical qualitative feedback that you can't get from a forum that you can't get from a survey. It comes from that interaction human to human that you start to really, really sense in community. And in order to in order to tie that stuff into go to market, you need some kind of combination of content, interaction with people and feedback mechanisms. Anything I'm missing, please put it in the chat or, or anything that you think that could add to this, please put it in the chat. I would love to hear it. And while I think that we can all agree on this stuff, what is an elegant way to do all this, right? Like, are you are you just sending out different kind of interaction points for the different pieces? Are you trying to incentivize every different thing? And, and what I set out to do about eight years ago is to really just prove that community creation is the future of business development. And I had to figure out an elegant solution to tie all these things into one motion. And the best thing that I came up with is this. It's the talk show format. If you think about all that stuff, feedback and content, and you think about the greatest content creators and marketers of our time, it's the giant networks, right? It's the big, net, but the big TV networks, the big radio networks. And if you close your eyes and really think about it, what percentage of that content is in a talk show format? It's pretty significant. It's most of the morning stuff. It's most of the evening stuff. And then there's some shows sprinkled in between. And, and it's simple, right? It, it, because it creates this, this, these relationships, right? Oprah over here on stage has the chance to create an intimate relationship with somebody one-on-one -on, -one on that stage, Right, That is a key strategic partner that Oprah can grow being guilty by association with, and she's done so pretty well. Then she can create this semi-intimate relationship, one to few, with the members of the audience. Right, Like you're in the audience, you feel like you're getting that connection, it's, it's, a, it's another level of interaction. And then if you look in that TV and that giant distribution channel, that's when you start creating one-to-many relationships. And if you can drive that accurately, you start to create a sense of community between those different echelons of relationship building that is relationship building at scale, which at the end of the day is what community is. And here's the good news. You no longer need to be a TV network or a radio network to have these distribution channels. The internet is now those distribution channels. So why aren't we creating our own internet talk shows if you can gain all this stuff? And to me, the internet talk show as a content stream by itself makes perfect sense. And, and that's why the, the, the networks do it, right? It's less writing is involved, less planning is involved. It creates that, that interaction. It's crowdsourced. People get to own a little piece of the stage with it. 
But to turn it into a relationship flywheel, to really drive community with it, it takes a couple of things, right? And this is and this is the methodology that I've really been pioneering for the last two years that I call the relationship flywheel, got a book coming out, whatever, all that stuff. And and it's really now that I've now that I've been serving clients with this over a year and a half now, and it's really starting to hit and really starting to see the 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 benefits of it, I want to share it with everybody. And that's why I'm getting really, really loud and trying to get on as many stages as possible. And it really comes down to these three pillars. By the way, model, thanks to Kaleem, the master of models. Thank you, Kaleem, for putting this thing together for me, buddy. And, and it comes down to these three pillars of value, connections, and content. At the end of the day, nobody's going to tune into the show. Nobody wants to be on the show if there isn't value involved. And you got to get real clear on that stuff. We're going to talk about how and co-creating that value adds another another level of how you are you know driving to that center of community then there's the connection piece there's four different connections that you want to think about when you're actually inter executing the talk show and that nurtures these connections into the middle of the community and then there's the content and the magnification of the content the repurposing content the distribution that creates these fishing lines all over the place right turning that one seed into 25 different pots that you put in six different ecosystems is absolutely crucial to drive the impact and bring people in, right? Create those breadcrumbs to the middle of the circle, to that community creation circle. And I'm going to go through each one right now and give you as much tactical advice on how to do it. And then we're going to talk about the results that we've experienced. I'm going to, I'm going to continuously use the, the most mature case study that I have, which is a company called JWB. They're a turnkey rental income property investing company. They have about 85 employees and the business model is really unique, right? Like they, they have turned investing in rental properties into like the ease of buying bonds, but it has a much higher return, way less risky than stocks. And they've just made it really easy for people because they control the land acquisition, the building, the occupancy, right? Like they're a property management company and they give you a portfolio manager. And spoiler alert, I bought two properties with them this year because I'm super bought into the whole thing. So I'm a mega fan, right? So let's start with the value, right? The value has to be obvious. And, and the most obvious thing about the value that people miss is that people aren't tuning in. They're not going to tune in for your product. I'm sorry to tell you this, right? You need to understand that your product is just one part of a whole tool set that your client wants to acquire or needs or needs, or needs to be opened up to in order to get to that desired state, to that outcome, to that benefit that they're seeking, right? So when I talk about content pillars, I'm talking about really thinking deeply about what is the rest of that ecosystem that your client needs in order to get the most out of your product. And once you get to those you know, pillars of information, then you start to think about how can I co-create this? Who in my network is able to bring that value, is able to bring that knowledge, bring those tools, be it your clients themselves, being people that you know, being partners, strategic partners, be it industry experts that you want to become guilty by association with, you know, all these people, that's, that's how you start to really think about your content pillars and create a schedule based on hitting these pillars for JWB. They're based in, they're based in Jacksonville, Florida. If you're going to buy a house from people that you've never met before, that you're never going to see that they're going to manage for you, you care about a couple of things. You care about being educated on real estate. 
you care about other asset classes, right? Like how do you, you know, how do you put this, how does this compare to bonds? How does it compare to stocks? How does it compare to crypto? You care about Jacksonville as a macroeconomy, right? You don't want to buy a house in Harry Knuckle, Florida. You, you need to like understand that there's a, a future here. You care about who's managing your money, right? You care about the talent of the team involved and you care about who else is doing this for you, who else is doing this, right? So we created the schedule across those, those pillars and then we populated it with people who fit that bill and then created this, we create these 12 month schedules and then that's the programming. That's the value that you're gonna showcase on stage. Next thing to think about is the positioning. You wanna position this talk show, you wanna position this content stream, you wanna position this community somewhere in between who your client is right now, what you do, and what you're both trying to achieve, right? Some Something in the middle. You can't call it your product. Like just not as, it's. I mean, you can, it's just not as effective, right? For JWV, we thought about rental property investing show. We thought about the real estate expert show. What we landed on was not your average investor show, right? Anybody that's going to invest in these in this asset class has looked around and thought, you know what? Yeah, sure. My 401k is doing okay. Yeah. Okay. My Robinhood account's doing okay. But what else is there? I'm not average. I want to create wealth in a different manner and I'm, and I'm willing to, to look at it from a different way. So I'm not your average investor. And that has proven to be really, really valuable, not just from the attention getting standpoint, but from the ability to land guests. It's a lot easier to get the mayor of Jacksonville to show up to the not your average investor show if it's called not your average investor show over the rental property investor show, right? Because the, the, the mayor is not your average investor. He's investing his political will and blah, 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 and his time and his family's future into the city, right? Like you can reverse engineer that into a bunch of different things. So that positioning as being that middle point between where you're headed and where your client is headed is really, really key. Third is hook points. You can have the best content ever if what I'm doing is inviting <laughs> is, is, uh, is come to a show about Colleen less people are going to be interested in it than if I say how to build a model out of anything that you have in your, in your head, right? That hook point, right? Like that invite clicks and you're going to open that email and you're going to be much more interested in tuning in if you describe the big benefit that is coming for you as opposed to who your guest is or who you are. And the way that we craft these invites is kind of a two-part, pro it's a three-part process. It's pretty easy, right? You think about the big hook point, right? Like what is, Kalimas has the superpower in that stuff, right? I think it's pretty obvious, but he also has thought leadership on go-to-market strategy, thought leadership on community creation and, you know, unconventional marketing techniques that you can learn, right? Or, 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 how, to, or how to manage a community or how to be an ambassador community. So you craft an invite, that's, that's the title, right? The big hook point, the description, of, and then they open it. It's the description of the person and it's the three kind of like, pillars that you're going to go into, right? That allows people to show up and know what their benefit is going to be as opposed to, okay, I guess I'm going to go listen to this dude and this dude talk, right? So that's really, really crucial when you make that invite, when you make that invite. And, and, and fourth, which is, I think is really underrated, is this invite to Zoom. I, when I see people thinking that they're doing this, but not really doing this, what I'm seeing them is go use Restream and go live across YouTube and LinkedIn and Facebook and my Facebook group and whatever. Sure, man, that's awesome. But that's kind of a vanity thing people aren't really feeling that they're a little bit closer to you when they engage. I mean, they might feel a little bit closer to you when they engage with you on a live, on a, on a, on a Facebook live, but this, what we're doing right now is way more intimate, right? You're bringing people much closer talking to me in this chat right now. You know, that, that really resonates and other people seeing that that really resonates, right? Like not as much if you're just commenting on LinkedIn or commenting on Facebook. And then on top of that, registering on zoom is a frictionless, lead capture mechanism as well, right? So think about 
how you can create these different echelons of engagement so that you create that one to few that's so critical to driving community in, into all this, right? So people start feeling like they're doing it. And even if you don't have a Facebook group or you don't have an actual platform for a community, look no further than Chris Walker's Demand Gen Live. He has no other platform, but the people that show up to that show every single week, they all have inside jokes in the chat. They all know each other. He's created a community without a single technological platform designed for community, just Zoom and value, right? So, okay, so that's the value pillar. All right, so this is the, this is the connections piece. Again, four levels of connection. Once you're in that show, once you're having that conversation, one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many, four things you want to think about. The connection between the host and the guest. That is akin to taking them out to dinner, finding out about their hopes and dreams. Who can I introduce you to? What's your superpower? Why are you so awesome? Why do I want, you know, like, how can I help, right? Like, we've all relationship built like that. I say, I, to me, doing it this way is way more valuable than dinner or golf. I, I, I say content creation is the new golf, right? Like, you're building these relationships with people, but it's all inclusive. You don't have to play freaking golf to get, to get out there, and you don't need four hours. And on top of that, you have content on the back end that you can use for whatever, Second is host to audience, right? Acknowledge the audience. I'm speaking to you right now. I'm saying you. I'm not saying you guys. I'm not saying people. I'm talking to one person because you are alone right now and you are consuming me one-to-one. So refer to the audience, get them to engage, ask them to put where they're from. You know, part of it is kind of zany AM DJ stuff, but it works, right? Like, and and people want to feel seen and heard. The key is for the audience to feel that they have a little piece of that stage, and people feel that they have a little piece of the stage when the content is valuable to them, when they hear their name on that stage, and when they feel acknowledged from that stage and they feel seen. If they get complimented, notice how notice how I, I mean I keep going to Kaleem because he's the guy that's right here on my on my screen and it's so easy, right? But I can I, I I can also talk. I love how Paul keeps laughing when I say something that I find interesting, right? And I and I love how Paul's always commenting and supporting people, you know, like that that type of stuff, right? Just noticing the audience is huge. And, and making them feel seen and heard and, and brought onto that stage in micro segments is enormous in order to get that ongoing relationship. And there, the ultimate goal of like referring to the audience is giving people, giving people nicknames, giving people inside jokes that, that are about them. We had this one lady at the Not Your Average Investor show that the first time she showed up, she said she was from Homosassa, Florida, and then put in the chat, it's the home of the manatees. So now every time Marilyn Cotterman asks a question, I'm like, Marilyn Cotterman from Homosassa, Florida. And then Greg, my co-host, says, home of the manatees, right? Guess what? Marilyn shows up to every show, <laughs> right? And if you think about all the great, the great talk shows of all time, they have these recurring characters that come back, right? Like the Howard Stern show does it. The Dan Lebetard show does it. I'm not as familiar with Oprah's content stream, but I'm, I'm sure she has recurring, you know, like Martha Beck and all these other people that are, that are in that satellite are recurring characters. And you want to create that because, again, you want to give them ownership to the stage. Third, and this is something people mostly miss, is creating the connection between the audience and, and the guest, right? And the way that you do that is that you're incentivizing audience participation. If you're doing it right, you're going to get some questions. Don't just take the question and read it, right? Take the question and say, oh, Scott Marker has a, you know, don't, don't, don't say if Scott puts a question saying, why do you think sales is broken? I'm not going to just say, why do you think sales is broken, right? I'm going to say, oh, Scott Marker has a question. He is about to publish his second book. He is a thought leader in how sales is toxic to salespeople and their organizations, and it causes turnover. And he has a question to you. Why do you think sales is broken? The reason you do that is for two reasons. One, giving Scott a little piece of the stage. And second, it gives context to the guest to answer. It makes the job of the guest easier 
in order to give a better question that adds more value to the equation. And everybody feels like they're being introduced, like give their friends, right? That is the, what's driving the community piece, right? So you're driving interaction, you're driving all that stuff. Then there is finally the one that I think most people miss. And this, I'm going to give uh, credit to Isar, who's here. He's my business partner. And he identified this one. And it's the, and it's the audience, the audience participation. It's the, it's the, oh man, Joe Hader put here, guest ownership of the stage. Yeah, Joe, like, I'd love to hear what else you got to see. Or, or, you know, Scott, peak community proves friendships can be made virtually. That's right. Scott knows what is up when it comes to community, right? Like acknowledging people in the chat and encouraging people in the chat to connect to each other is really, really valuable. Cause again, piece of the stage, again, human connection, there's nothing more powerful, right? So those are the four relationships to be mindful of that will end up driving community. And if you're doing those four relationship, right, then this content piece really starts to pop, right? This repurposed content stuff, this is the scale to it. Number one, when it comes to content, you know, I call it the cool club, right? Like that whoever has the most ownership of the stage is in different levels of echelons of who's in the cool club. I grew up in Miami. I know the value of a velvet rope. I think we've all felt that thing. And as much as we don't want to admit it, everybody wants to be in the cool club, right? So if you create different levels of like acknowledgement and specialty based on how much you refer to people and how much you acknowledge them and eventually, right? Like, so if, so first you're like somebody who gets their question answered, then you're somebody has a nickname, then you're a guest on the show. Guess what? You have ownership of that community at that point, right? Like you feel like you, the, the, the host of the show, your brand doesn't have to be Superman. You can just be the Avengers, right? And if you create Avengers out of all of, out, out of your super fans, you're going to win, right? That really works. Second, second real gold in the content repurposing is the repurposing of the Q and a itself. I learned this thing from Gary V. Anybody here? Anybody here a, a, a Gary V fan? I, I never know because since I parachuted into marketing, I don't know how real marketers feel about Gary V. So, and he always talks about how they hate him. So I have no clue, but I love the guy, right? And and to me, it was really apparent that Gary, that's right, that's right, Karina. You like you like Gary too. We talked about that. So it's really apparent to me when I saw Gary's content stream and you see how he shows up for a keynote and it's 20 minutes of him just like babbling from the top of his mouth. Which, which is usually the same stuff. And then it's 40 minutes of Q&A. You know what that creates? That creates ownership of the stage for everybody. But the genius of it is that he takes those Q&As to repurpose it. So now I've shown up to see Gary speak multiple times. And I know that if I get up and I ask a question, I'm at least going to make it to his podcast and his YouTube channel. And if I ask a great question, I might make it to his Instagram, right? I might be Gary V famous. And that keeps me paying attention to Gary V's other content streams because I want to see if I see myself in it. It's just a very, very natural tendency. The real magic in focusing on Q&A is contextualization and recontextualization. Again, if you listen to Gary, he basically just says four things over and over. Make content, be self-aware, have patience, and you know, like follow your, you know, follow your dreams and do what you got to do, be unique, right? But because he has 50 different people asking him questions every single day, and that's on the low end, and he has those same four answers to 50 different versions of that question, when he repurposes that, now anybody that thinks of the question the same way and self-identifies with the thought process behind the question believes in his answer. Anybody that looks like the person that asked the question believes in his answer. Anybody that has the same job title or comes from the same city as somebody that has from that question, more likely to believe in that answer, right? So Q&A is a super, super powerful tool for that qualitative feedback, for that like social validation buy-in. Make sure that you're doing that stuff. That drives community as well. When repurposing content, the mistake I see people make, they think, they think that taking like your podcast anagram and putting it up, that's repurposing. 
cool. Yeah, I guess it is. But you got to think that you need to make thumb stopping content. We scroll the length of the Eiffel Tower every single day on our phones. So if you're not getting somebody to stop, they're not going to see minute 120 where you say that really smart thing, right? So you got to you got to structure you got to structure your social media posts in a, like a hook story offer kind of like format, and you get three hooks. The first hook is the first three seconds to five seconds of the video, right? So if I'm telling you a story about how by investing in rental properties, I became a millionaire, I'm going to start it with, and then I became a millionaire and then boom, brand comes in and then the, and then the content starts, right? I'm going to put, I'm going to put a headline on there, which is the other hook, right? That says from W2 to millionaire, right? So, so now that at that point, it, it plays in concert with that first five seconds. It makes you be like, Oh, you know, it creates that pattern interrupt. And then last but not least, which is really underrated, is the first line of the copy, right? Like I, I like to think of the first line of the copy before I write it. I think to myself, I never thought I would say this, but, and then I start the copy, right? So in, in that post, the first line of the copy would say, a mid-level software engineer became a millionaire in 20 years. And then, and, then, and then I say the story behind it in my copy, whatever else you're going to say. But now those three things play in concert. So making sure that you're focusing on that hook point piece when you're making this like social media content is absolutely paramount. Then on top of that, you know, like the process for speed, this is where ESAR is a freaking genius and, and really why I became partners with him apart from the fact that he's a cool guy. But you need to really create a process because you, you can take these like one hour videos and if you get really good at it, this one hour interaction we're having, you're going to see this live, right? Because I'm recording this. You're going to see the effects of this. But I can turn this into a one-hour branded YouTube show. I can turn this into the under 10 best minutes YouTube short. I can turn it into a podcast for the audio. I can take the lessons and write an email about it to my email list, expand it into an SEO optimized blog, and then take the five best minutes of something that I actually said that was really smart and, and, and turn that into that thumb-stopping content that we're talking about. I can take at the end, if we start having questions, I can take the question and turn that into like a Q&A segment where I put your name on it and then I write the question and then the video starts. I can, I can say the best things that were said and turn it into quote cards, right? But if you're going to do that, you need a process. So if not, you're going to take five hours to turn a one-hour thing into all these different things. Esource figured out, like I asked him to build me a, you know, we, we copied somebody else, asked him to build a better horse and he, he built a Tesla out of it. And, and really what it comes down to, you know, we have a video, if you connect with me on LinkedIn afterwards, I'll send you the video of him presenting the whole thing to everybody. The, the fundamentals of it is that you can scale the system with like, as long as you break it down into five steps. If you take a long form video and get it transcribed, right? Then you can go through the transcription and highlight the pieces that you want cut into smaller content that are the most important parts of it, right? Instead of going back and forth on a video of like, was it minute 432 or 435, right? Like that stuff takes you five minutes by itself, right? So get it transcribed, read it, highlight it. Once it's highlighted, then it goes to the video editor, graphic designer, graphic designer, video editor does its thing based on the transcription. The video editor, graphic designer then gives it back to you in a form that you create. We started with a batch board. Now we use Airtable, which if you haven't used Airtable, it's uh it's like google sheets on steroids and if and if you got a great process guy with you forget about it right so you get it in there and the key to that thing is the idea that you have the link to the content and you have a place where you can write copy bam 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 so now whoever's writing copy can just go through and be like watch the first five seconds oh i know what this is about boom copy next one boom copy next one boom copy and and now you have that and then it goes to the distributor right and the distributor can then create the post schedule and do whatever that needs to happen. At first, before I partnered with ESAR and whatever, I just had one employee who was a video editor. So I was interviewing, I was 
you know, transcribing, looking through it, highlighting it, giving it to the video editor. Then I was writing all the copy. Then I was distributing it. When I got a little, when I got a little bit of cash flow, the next thing I got was a copywriter. So now it was like, I interview, I look at what's good, video editor, video edits, copywriter, copies, distributor, you know, also the copywriter became a distributor as well. So I got myself out of that one. Next step was now, now we've got a, a QC person that knows our voice and whatever. So now I just record, it goes to transcription, somebody else picks it, somebody else video edits it, somebody else writes the copy, somebody else lets it fly. Now I'm just shooting content and it takes me 20 minutes on the back end to now have 25 pieces, right? So that part of like chopping it up and scale, it, it will, will give you scale. It seems unscalable, but if you just look at things that seem unscalable and try to find the one little thing that you can get yourself out of, it starts to become more scalable and content distribution is the same exact way. And finally, YouTube and SEO, I put it on there. I'm not an SEO or YouTube expert, but I can tell you this. YouTube is the second biggest search engine in the world. And right now Google is you're able to search for something and there's just as good a likelihood that a blog pops up as minute 14 of F, you know, of, of whatever video to answer your question in the Google answers piece. So if when you're creating your content schedule and your hook points, you have your SEO strategy in mind and you work those words into the actual conversation, guess what? A little bit extra alchemy, a little bit more magic, right? You start finding some real searchability in that stuff as voice to text and those search engines get better and better. Highly, highly recommend you pay attention to that. So now let's prove it, right? So, you know, this hit me, this hit me a while, you know, maybe, maybe three months ago when I started with this presentation that in 2019, in 2020, I had a, I had two podcasts that I was the host for. One was just my podcast and the other was exactly this methodology, right? The Not Your Average Investor Show. So if you look at, if you look at the features, kind of the same thing, started around the same time, about the same number of episodes, not super impressive downloads or anything like that, but all pretty comparable, same time period. Let's look at the benefits, right? So my podcast, I got, I made a ton of friends, which is really what I want to do, right? Uh, spoiler alert, I want to be best friends with everybody in this room. I got 61 emails out of it. I got two clients out of it. Revenue, 65K. That's not bad for having a podcast. Podcast pays for itself. Sweet. Until you look at the Not Your Average Investor show where we gathered 1,621 emails, we, in one year, we created a group, a Facebook group of 2,800 people, they landed 259 clients and a revenue of $46 million. I think that, uh, that just really, we call it, I got sunned, right? <laughs> right. My, that, that podcast really made me look meager. And then there's all this other stuff, right? Other positive externalities, the strategic narrative change, right? We started, they used to make content for real estate flippers and real estate buyers and wholesalers and whatever. And they started realizing that, nah, man, what, what, what really the untapped potential here is that W-2 employee, is that like the CMO that has a great 401k, but would love to just get a real estate portfolio, but they don't have time to go look for a deal, plunge a toilet, find a tenant, you know, all these different things. So we completely changed the strategic narrative. Big, big win. Thanks to that feedback. Web design. The original website looked like some freaking Prudential Securities website. It was some old dude with gray hair on a boat with an old lady, right? Like you've seen it a million times. People starting to show up and look like us, right? It looked like successful professionals in their 40s or, 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 or within that range, right? Within that generation. <laughs> I see you, Paul. And, and, and we, started, we started just making it a little bit more relevant, right? More relevant to not baby boomers. Sorry, you know, like th th these are the people that are investing in this asset class long-term that want to create wealth. Big, big win for the website. Created major, major strength in conversions. What else do I have here? I have this kind of, oh, oh, the flex funding, the, the, the product. 
right? They have this private lending product that pays just 10% that you own a piece of a house and they had this like minimum buy-in because of the feedback of like, well, why can't I get in at under 50 grand? They created a product to get in at 10 grand. Again, raised revenue big time, added to the product map. Customer success. Boy, when COVID hit in March, it could have been, it could have been their phone lines flooded, people freaking out about evictions or not, or guess what happened? Everybody flooded to the Not Your Average Investor Show. It created a major, major like point of, Here's our press conference. You can show up every single week. You don't have to take a call with a salesperson. You don't have to take a call with your portfolio manager. You can just show up and find out what's going on with rental rates, what's going on with whatever. And by the way, these guys crushed it during COVID. It was freaking insane. And then partnerships, right? Having a stage allows you to be a kingmaker, right? And if you and if you can be known as a kingmaker, everybody that wants to be king wants to be your friend, right? So everybody, it, it, got, it got a bunch of authors and influencers and people in the real estate space come on the show, become aware of JWB, see the magic that's going on there. And all of a sudden they got these great partner referral relationships. Greg's getting on, you know, speaking in different places and, and doing all these things. And here's the real magic, man. This is Monterey, California, like a, like a month ago. We're in Jacksonville, y'all, right? Like this is people that watch the show that decided to get together on their own in somebody else's house. The guy on the left with the face mask, not a client, right? Everybody else a client. Guess who's becoming a client? Guy with the face mask, Jackie Hung, <laughs> right? That's going to happen. This is happening. This happened last night. We're actually having a networker here at a rooftop bar on the beach. This dude on the left drove 400 miles from Atlanta to come hang out and have dinner with me last night. <laughs> that's super, that's super, super powerful, right? Like this Avengers thing, right? So, so that it drives, you know, the combination of these things really drive community, but let's talk numbers. This is the amount of engagements they had Q1 of, of, of 2020, 210. That's what they could reach via phone and whatever and hand-to-hand. As it grew, we're counting engagements as people that engaged in our Facebook group, people that came to the show, people that got on calls with us, right? So look how much it grew year over year, 28X. If you look at deal signed Q1, look how the deal shot grew. It's, it's perfect correlation, but this one's my favorite, leads to sales. They were on the front page of the Wall Street Journal in January, right? So they had a ton of leads. Look at this. Look at look at the revenue and sales. Fast forward to Q4 of 2020. Look at the leads, almost half, and you know more than double the amount of revenue. You know what we call that, right? We call that flipping the funnel, right? Because we were able to reposition in the buyer's mind. I love it, Kaleem. I love you. I love you celebrating, dude. It's so cool. Because we were able to to position it from oh, let me see a house. Do I want to buy this deal? Is this a real estate deal that I want to? This is an investment class that is positioned in between bonds and stocks that has this risk profile, that has this return, and this is what you have to do for it. Now people weren't showing up on a call saying, what house am I looking at? Do I like, do I like the curb appeal? They were thinking, I have a portfolio of X. I want to put this percentage of it into this asset class. Let me get three. Let me get four right? We started calling it, we started calling it selling bundles. We were selling bundles of homes, sight unseen to investors in Florida, right? It's some real like Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross stuff. If it was like good stuff, right? Like, so that's what happened, you know? And, and I, I, I would love to, you know, we, we got a little bit of time. I'm going to, I'm going to get back into the thing. And if, if I can, if I can get personal for a second, I said that I've been on this quest for, for like eight years, right? And what happened eight years ago is that my, my older brother, who was eight and a half years older than me, lost his battle to pancreatic cancer. At his funeral, 1,200 people show up. And while 
from my teens on, I had my back and forth with the Catholic church. Do I really buy into this stuff? Am I really a part of this? That moment when 1200 people showed up to that funeral, I looked around and I thought to myself, these, is, these 1200 people are the people that have like carried us over the last two years. They're carrying us right now. They're continuing to carry us. They're really helping us. This value that this community has brought us is unlike any value that I could have possibly gotten anywhere else. And therefore, I'm never leaving this parish, right? Like anytime when senior hits me up, I'm, I'm giving him money, right? So it is, if you can provide this community, it is the ultimate solver of churn. It's the ultimate solver of brand loyalty. It's, it, you know, th- there, is, there is nothing like that, right? And relationships are built on value and community is the greatest value. And on the value equation, just to go one step further of, of how you can produce this value is this idea that my brother at eight and a half years older than me, I've always given him credit for being my biggest influence in my life, but it was always negative credit. It was like, Bert did this, I'm going to do that. That didn't work out for him, I'm going to go here. As those people showed up to that funeral, as, as people came out of the woodworks for years afterwards, I heard one story. I heard, your brother's a guy that when he is inside of a room, I knew that I would belong. I knew that no matter what was going on, we're all going to get along, and he would make me feel you know, comfortable there. And it hit me like a ton of bricks that this quality in somebody that is the thing that I most respect, that I most value in myself was something that I did not see in my brother, that I did not see in the best man at my wedding. And immediately my head went to, what else am I missing? What else did I not give my loser uncle credit for? What else did I not forgive my friend for that was actually a valuable experience in my life? And I say this to say that people around you, no matter how close they are, no matter how well you know them, have more value to the people around them than you've originally given them credit for. So this whole, you know, relationship flywheel thing is really just that. It's really just acknowledging the people around you and serving them to other. I see that Sangam's joined this. I think he's really good at this. What he what he's doing in peak community is kind of a microcosm of this. He gave me his stage. He allowed me to present it and do this type of stuff, right? Like that is that is the core mechanism of community building is acknowledging people's value, allowing them to be heard, giving them that certain bit of validation within their superpower and multiplying it, right? So I, I really want to encourage you to just really dive into this stuff. If you if you want to experience this, right? Oh, so my podcast, right? So first of all, if you want to see it happening, if you want to see this internet talk show that we've created and the whole thing, you're going to join and there's going to be like 20 people that already have inside jokes at the Not Your Average Investor Show. It's every Tuesday and Thursday. Check it out. Amazing asset class to invest in. Highly recommend it. And for me, I went from having the Chief Executive Connector podcast to understanding that I need what I need to do is stop being a chump and do my own internet talk show and rebrand it in a way that isn't about me, that it is about the, the future state of the people I want to do business with. So I've rebranded it to the B2B Community Builder Show. I've got a live show coming up on 9.13 at 4.30. If you want to join, tiny.one B2B Community or join with me on LinkedIn. If, if you want me to send you the repurposing process or whatever, I'm going to have Park Howell on, right? The, the ABT framework that I think is kind of like catching fire. And I've heard actually people asking for a show at the peak community. Uh, I'm going to have Park Howell there. It's going to be like this. I'm going to be talking to Park. He's putting his value out. I'm going to be moderating the conversation so that you can get your questions asked and I'm going to repurpose the hell out of it. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.